Hi out there, I'm Pat Polly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Artbeat Northwest. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m., we interview people from the visual arts or the performing arts in our Pacific Northwest. And this week, we're talking about Mary Hill Museum, an amazing museum about 100 miles east of Portland, overlooking the Columbia River on a stunning 5,300-acre site. This gem is an early 20th century structure built by Sam Hill, the railroad magnate. You know about Sam Hill. (laughs) It's a three-story Beaux-Arts mansion, and it was originally built as a residence and designed in 1914 and opened to the public in 1940. 35,000 square feet of space. Anyway, just a little background because so many people here in the Seattle area don't know what a gem we have that is really uh, a short day trip away. Uh, And here to talk about this must-see museum is director Colleen Shafra. Colleen, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so delighted to be talking with you guys today. Great, and we're so happy you could come in to talk about the wonderful Mary Hill Museum. We'll be back shortly with more on Artbeat Northwest. Support for Artbeat Northwest with Pat Polly comes from Pratt Fine Arts Center, offering year-round classes for youth, teens, and adults. Located in the central area, Pratt is the only facility in the Northwest where absolute beginners and established professional artists work side-by-side creating art in glass, metal, stone, and wood sculpture, jewelry, and metal smithing, painting, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. Learn more and register for classes at Pratt.org. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Mary Hill about Mary Hill Museum with Colleen Shafra, director. And, you know, Colleen, we have... So many new people here in the Seattle area, wonderful new people. But, you know, they're exploring locally, and they haven't really gotten to the other side of the mountains much. So uh, how would you describe Mary Hill Museum to someone who knows nothing about it in a way that they would want to see it? Oh, Mary Hill is a unique, unique place. It's a combination of nature and art. Um, You come here, and the site is fantastic, actually. It overlooks the Columbia River Gorge. There's Mount Hood to the west of the museum that sometimes pops out, mostly pops out for us, and, of course, the gorge itself. So just being here and enjoying the grounds and the site is an amazing experience. And then you step inside, and, oh, my gosh, there's work by Rodin. There are uh, paintings and sculptures and... um, uh, chess sets, actually, Native American, beautiful Native American art from all of the indigenous people of North America, um, and much, much more, actually. It's, it's sometimes hard to put into one sentence. You know, to me, going there, I was absolutely shocked and amazed at the collections there. So let's talk about your permanent collection a little more in depth, because it is awesome. Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. First of all, Auguste, Auguste Rodin. Now, I was in France to his museum, but I was amazed to see how many works you had by him in the Mary Hill Museum. 
Well, we have we have quite a few if you count all the watercolors, uh, about 70-some pieces by Rodin, and they include um, plasters and a couple of terracottas and some bronzes and, of course, the watercolors. And I think what's quite unique about our collection is, you know, except for uh, one or two exceptions, all of it came during Rodin's lifetime through his friend Louis Fuller and, of course, the museum's founder, Sam Hill. So it's, it's quite unique and quite wonderful um, to come see the Rodin collection. It's actually one of my very favorites here. And then you have a great collection of European and American paintings that are stunning. Oh, we do. We do. We feature, this year we're featuring still lifes from the collection, so we try and circulate something out every um, year so that we can see something new, or actually you all can see something new, um, but, you know, the staff loves seeing them too. So we have these beautiful still lifes, and they feature British and, um, oh, people like Jacob Bodini and um, Hank Boss, who's a contemporary, um, fairly contemporary person, Robert Douglas Hunter, who does beautiful still lifes, Annie Frey Moutry, who does beautiful um, still lifes. So honestly, coming to see that is kind of a real treat. Yes. Actually, billions of dollars worth of art over there (laughs) in that that, that little mansion. Uh, and then uh, I thought all the costumes were wonderful from uh, the Queen Queen Maria of Romania. Uh, that was just amazing to see. You don't see anything like that around here. Well, you know, the museum actually was founded by Samuel Hill, and he got involved with making a museum because of dancer Louis Fuller, and they knew Queen Maria of Romania. So, of course, they asked her to come dedicate the museum in 1926. And when she came, she brought wonderful, wonderful things, including the court gown that she wore um, to a couple of different occasions. And so it's uh, what you're speaking of is really one fantastic dress. You know, it's but there are some. I, as I recall, there were some other costumes there. Ah, uh, well, the Teatro della Mode, if that's what you're thinking of, is is a collection of 1946 French fashion mannequins. They're about 20 inches high. Oh, the miniature mannequins. Yeah, those are and incredible. they're really, Oh, they're incredible, and um, we feature you know three different sets. Um, every two years, we put up uh, three different new sets. And so you can come see these beautiful, beautiful um, mannequins in miniature, and they're in great sets, actually, um, that remind you of Paris. And I understand these mannequins at one time were on tour after uh, France was really in bad shape after the war. They were on tour in the U.S., went all over, and then finally ended up at Mary Hill. That is certainly correct. They're and uh, just a wonderful collection. Jared, very finely done miniature, uh, you know, fashion. It's it's just amazing. Well, you know, even the little buttons are handmade, and they have little labels on the inside of them, and um, the hemming, and the, it's all couture work. You know, it's highly, um, it's beautifully refined sewing couture work that you can't see just anywhere anymore. And my husband was very taken with the chess sets. He t- he talks about the chess sets at Mary Hill Museum because they are phenomenal. Never seen so many together and so many just incredible different uh, materials and designs of chess sets. Well, I always call them our little sculptures in miniature, you know, uh-huh. and they come from all over the world. 
um, China, uh, Japan, the United States, Europe. You you know you you can find a chest set just about anywhere. Actually, they are um, 200 years old or better. Some of them. Some of them are quite new because they're artist design sets. Yes, they're pretty fantastic. Um, and then we don't want to. Of course, you mentioned your American Indian collection, which is quite extensive. Uh, why don't you talk to that a little bit? Well, the collection actually was, uh, the beginning of that collection was Sam Hill's um, Native American collection. He had collected baskets, and he was, uh, um, he was a strong proponent of the indigenous people of Washington State and the region. Um, in fact, he um, helped, tried to help Chief Joseph get his traditional lands back, you know. Oh, really? Uh, several decades ago, um, you know, when they were trying to work all of that stuff out. So, yeah, he, he's a very firm believer in that. And so he has this, uh, this nucleus of his collection has grown over the years to include, I don't know how many we have in the collection now, but hundreds and hundreds of um, objects, beautiful, beautiful objects from across North America. So you can see beaded work and carvings and um, you name it, you can probably see it in the collection here. And probably the best collection I've actually seen of Native American art. Well, it is certainly one of the coolest ones around here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, so that's your permanent collection. Uh, Before we go on to what's going on now, which is also very exciting, let's talk about how one gets to Mary Hill Museum, because I think that's really important. Um, You know, it's like a four and a half hour drive, which isn't bad. And one of the things that's really nice about it is that once you get over the pass, Snoqualmie Pass, which is usually not too crowded, um, you get into eastern Washington and it's the roads are, you know, like not crowded at all. (laughs) And uh, so really the driving's pretty easy. Uh, now, and let them know when you're open, because you're not open all the months. No, we we actually open in March. We open March 15th, and we close November 15th. Um, So we are a seasonally opened museum, and um, 10 to 5 daily. And I mean daily, holidays included, weekends, holidays. And so um, no matter what day you come between March 15th and November 15th, we're ready to let you in the museum. Um, and that's important because most museums around here aren't open all days of the week. No. But you you have kind of a different thing. You're not open all the months, but when you're open, you're open every day. That is correct. In the summertime. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go to Mary Hill Museum, you know, you just go over Snoqualmie Pass, yeah, drop down to Yakima, and then Toppenish, and on to Goldendale. And uh, it's pretty easy. And uh, how about, are there places nice places to stay over there? I would think... I, uh, if I go again, I want to stay overnight. Oh, I think there's a lot of great places in the, the Columbia River Gorge um, that you can stay. And, and in Goldendale, there are some nice hotels. Um, so I think there's a lot of cool places to stay here once you're here if you want to spend the weekend. Okay. So yeah. so we've got the trip planned for people. And um, now, before we get into uh, your current activities and some other things. It is already time for a break. We'll be back shortly talking more about Mary Hill Museum on Artbeat Northwest. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. 
get tickets and learn more at bellevuearts.org. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking about Mary Hill Museum with Colleen Shafroth, director. And Colleen, um, before we get into the new edition, let's talk about the replica of Stonehenge, which is a part of the property. That, that is really interesting, too. It is really quite wonderful. Um, Samuel Hill and a committee at the time, um, this was back right after World War I ended, wanted to create a um, memorial to the young men that died during the Great War um, who came from Klickitech County. And so they set about thinking about what that might be all about. And uh, Sam went to, was in England, and he went out to see the original Stonehenge. And, of course, somebody told him it was a place for human sacrifice, which, of course, um, is very much not what they're really saying today about Stonehenge Memorial, I mean Stonehenge in England. But he came back, and he just thought it was an interesting image to use because um, the Great War was to many a place where many, many young men and women died, um, and it was a huge sacrifice um, in order to protect the Western culture. Um, And so that's what he decided to do. So he built it out of concrete, and he built a Stonehenge memorial. It's almost exactly the same size as the original Stonehenge in England, just that inner circle, though. And then he put the names of the young men who passed away during that conflict on um, pillars surrounding the heel stone in the center. And it or has, the altar stone. Uh, it has kind of a wonderful feeling about it, doesn't it? That oh, whole it, area. It, oh, it's, um, it's extremely touching, actually, to be in there and then to see those names. Mm -hmm. Um, as you walk around. And then, of course, the landscape is kind of overpowers you, so it can be a very emotional experience, yes. Yes. And so so there were so many wonderful original structures, but you all decided that there was a need for some additional uh, room there. And I want you to tell me about your new addition. Ah, well... We really wanted a place where we could um, house the collections in a more modern um, uh, suite of rooms, you know, so it could be easy to access for researchers to use, for staff to use. Um, And we wanted a space where we could get dirty, you know, with art. (laughs) You know, maybe you got to have that. painting or maybe even a little clay and of course you can't do that in gallery spaces very easily and lectures and other programs so um back before 2012 we had renovated the historic structure which is on the national register of historic places you know updated everything um and then we decided we needed this space and so we began raising money for it and we finally dedicated it and um 2012 on Sam Hill's birthday in May, and uh, it provided a collection storage space, and it provides an education space, and of course, um, some small exhibit spaces too, but also we moved our cafe from a small space up near the Rodin Gallery down into the new wing where it looks out over the Columbia River Gorge, and who wouldn't want those views, you know, while you're eating lunch and maybe sipping a little wine? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And then when you 
when you built this, uh, you didn't just build a structure. You built one that got a gold rating, L-E-E-D, gold oh, rating. Oh, yes, leads. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's very energy efficient. And why don't you talk to that a little bit? Because I think that was great that you were thinking ahead that way. Oh, yeah. We, um, we wanted to um, do the best possible structure on several different levels, and one of them was the leads. And so the building design was um, just a very little bit of it is up above ground and the rest dips below ground, which really is a very efficient way energy-wise to um, have a building because it's very um, insulated from the ground itself. And so we worked really hard to make sure all of that stuff happened. We put in um, floors, heated floors, rather than trying to do a forced air system. So there were a lot, lots of moving parts on that one so that we could get that gold lead award. And that's great. And also, the the new addition doesn't, uh, doesn't fight with the character of the original building. It's very low-key, so it doesn't take over, which is really, really thoughtful, that too. That was one of the most important factors the board and staff wanted to achieve in this new wing. And mm-hmm. you certainly did that. And plus, you got a view from the coffee shop. Exactly. <laughs> wonderful for the for the people coming in, right? Right, right. So, so but you not only have your wonderful uh, permanent collection, but there are reasons if you have if you uh, have already been there, you want to come back because there's some really great things going on, um, especially this next weekend. In fact, I think we're going over there. Oh, good. <laughs> so, good. why don't we're you talk about your? Uh, your uh, gorge big print. Let's talk about that. First. Oh, well, let's, let's do that. This all kind of started with an exhibition we've been planning for two or three years called West Coast Woodcut Contemporary Relief Prints by Regional Artists. Our curator, Steve Graft, had been collecting these prints like over the last two to three years, and so they're now in the collection, and that's an exhibition going on currently through November 15th. And so then Louise uh, Palermo, our curator of education, was thinking, oh, what could we do? What could we do along those lines? And so um, she had been thinking about a, uh, something, uh, sort of a surrealist parlor game where somebody draws a top of the picture and they fold it, and then down below they draw another picture and they fold it, and then somebody else gets the third. So that when you open up the picture, you get this kind of strange um, surrealist um, drawing, but she's thinking more. Well, let's do this with the Columbia River Gorge. So they divided up the gorge, the map, into ten sections. They oh, brought ten in sections. professional artists over ten sections, starting with um, the Sandy River or Lewis and Clark um, College, which is the first um, group of people that worked there, the students and, and the printmaking people, and then all the way to Whitman. And so these artists went into communities, and some of the communities were high school kids, some of the communities were veterans, some of the communities were students, um, some of the communities were just at, like at the Goldendale Local Library where people just showed up. So we had all of these wonderful communities getting together, talking with the artists. The artist creates the design. The woodcut is um, produced. And they will all be laid out this coming Saturday, actually, and a steamroller will roll over them. They'll be inked and, and paper put down. The steamroller will go over it, and voila, we have a 66-foot print of the Columbia River Gorge. Isn't that great? And now, the way they, they got this to go together is they must have marked on each paper where the river 
came into that and where it went out so that you had, although different kinds of art, you had the, the same river flowing through all of these 60 panels, right? Exactly. And so what you're, you have in essence a map, but a map of imagery, you know, Uh based on the artist's experience with the people they were working with. Okay, so now, so then in order to print this, then you have this paper lined up and then these wood blocks on top and then the steamroller goes over the wood blocks. Is that how it works? <laughs> it's, it's, it's an experiment. They actually are, um, this week they're creating a jig. They're calling it a jig okay. so that each block will fit inside the jig so that they don't move around. <laughs> oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. When uh, the steamroller goes over, and then the and yes, so then they ink each block, they put it in the jig, um, and then um, they put the paper down, and the steamroller goes over it. So that must take a lot of people working together to get that all accomplished. <laughs> well, you know, Dylan, <laughs> we have our artistic director who's Dylan, and then we have. Um, uh, Lou, who is the project director, and so they've been working with committee members up and down the gorge and printmakers. So yes, I think it's going to be kind of it's going to be a whole lot of fun on um, Saturday. But um, but more importantly, it's going to be all these community people coming together to sort of celebrate the Columbia River Gorge. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit more about your woodcut exhibition. This is an international ex- exhibit that it's in coordination. Well, it's, uh, the woodcut exhibit itself is uh, coordinated by Stephen Graft, who is our curator of art, and it's contemporary relief prints by regional artists. And oh, so, okay. Right. So um, some of them are older artists who have passed on, and some of them are c- contemporary artists who are with us today, and they, are, they really range all kinds of um, thoughts and ideas. They come from Washington, Oregon, and California. Um, they showcase the natural splendor of the West Coast, so there's a lot of imagery of nature, but they also address such topics as migrants and homelessness, um, immigration, native fisheries, you know. So it's a really wonderful, wonderful exhibition pulled together um, to, to look at the world we live in. Great. Now, also, I understand that your plein air exhibit is on until this next Saturday. I assume it's going off to let that big print take the place of it. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me, tell the listeners a little bit about the paint out that you had there, because I thought that was very exciting. Oh, we had this great paint out. So um, each year we do an annual plein air event. So um, over 40 artists come. This year it was 44. They're juried into it. They come to the Columbia River Gorge. They spend four days at the end of July going all over the place and painting the gorge in many different styles, of course, because the styles depend on the artists, and the artists are 44. And so they create this body of work in one week, and these things still wet in some cases. Are put into frame. and they have to they have to frame them themselves oh, yeah, even if they're still zoo, wet yeah. <laughs> and they can use like any medium right right and so then they get them framed and then they go up on the wall fairly quickly with a crew of dedicated volunteers and the curator and then we have a huge opening reception there are awards given for different paintings and um, uh, and so different artists can uh, receive some recognition for it. 
and it will be up until 5 o'clock um, August 24th, which is this Saturday. So if you're coming for the um, the great print event, you can also come and see um, the plein air show as well. Great. Well, I know I saw some of the plein air online, and honestly, I know they were created. I mean, people had to work hard to create those in a hurry because <laughs> they are gorgeous paintings. Oh, they are amazing. Oh, they are amazing. And um, and uh, the the plein air event is a is a, a benefit for the museum. So the the artists make um, most of the money, but we get a little on each sale. So it's a really great way to. Um, you know, keep the museum going, but also to support all these regional artists. Great. Now, what else is going on that you want to tell me about? Because I want to talk a little bit about uh, the observatory, if we have uh, a chance. Well, you know, we have all kinds of things planned through the end of the year. In October, we have our um, Car is King weekend, because Sam Hill loved automobiles. So if somebody wants to see some really, really gorgeous cars, there's quite a show on the grounds on October 5th. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and so you can come down here and see cars like they were art. You know, people bring their cars and put them out on the grounds. And then we, on October 6th, we have, um, the public can drive the historic Mary Hill Loops Road, but then we also, um, excuse me, the public can drive it on October 5th, but on October 6th we have the Mary Hill Loops Hill Climb, which is a timed race of um, cars up and down the Mary Hill Loops Road. So that's another kind of exciting event that people like to come see and participate in. And also, I want to mention the Goldendale Observatory, which is being, much of it's being rebuilt, and it's going to be opening this fall sometime. A soft opening should be great, and it is uh, a really wonderful uh, place to be. I was there to... They have their observatory dome that they've preserved, but they have a new facility because they get, what, thirty to 40,000 visitors a year there in Goldendale, which is right where you are. Yeah, it's just north. Yeah, just a little north by, I don't know, 12 or 13 miles, something like that. But the observatory is wonderful. So, you know, there are a lot of reasons to go over there. Wineries, too, uh, and uh, farms and a lot of things going on. But, always, always. Yes, so great, at least... A nice weekend, I think. Anyway, we are already running out of time. Oh, too bad. (laughs) Thank you so much, Colleen, for sharing all of your information about Mary Hill Museum. Well, thank you very much. And, of course, people can learn a great deal more about the museum on our website, which is www.maryhillmuseum.org. www.maryhillmuseum.org. Great time to head across to eastern Washington to the banks of the beautiful Columbia River. And be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. for Artbeat Northwest for news and views of the local art scene. I'm your host, Pat Polly, signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week. <laughs>